But I want to get right into it, if you'd allow me to. Um, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 5. I've already given a, a long preface to this um, yesterday. I spent an extensive amount of time building up to it. If you ever want to catch it, just go to the previous read and rants and you'll be able to catch that. But today I want to get right into it. So go ahead and turn your Bible to Joshua chapter five, and I'm going to begin reading from verse one. I'll begin reading from verse one. And it says this. Actually, let's pray before we get started. Um, one thing that I want you to do as we read this, remember, this is a meditational reading. So one thing I want, one of the things I, I, I would like you to do is, is commit to these three questions as you prayerfully read through the scriptures. I want you to commit to these three questions. What, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Um, these are the three things that I want you to be asking as you read the scriptures. And this gives you a meditational posture. We're in Joshua chapter five now. So we've read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and now we're in Joshua. And we're going to begin to see a shift in the narrative of the text. So let's do it. Father, we ask so that you would be with us today. Lord, as we engage in your scripture, Father, I ask that you would guide us, that you would um, lead us today. Speak to us, Father, as we engage in your word. Lord, I just pray. Lord, that we, we hear from you, Lord, through your scripture and through your word today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's get to it. Verse 1. Joshua 5, verse 1. So it was, when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were, on, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt for all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war, who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain. On the very same day, then manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. 
and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said, what does the Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This, this you shall do six days. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the, the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city. Let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. And the seventh priest bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew a trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become 
accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall be they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. And the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and they brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers and all that she had. And they went out and they brought out all the relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time saying, cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city of Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest, he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. Joshua chapter seven. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebedee, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Some would pronounce it Ai. And they returned it to Joshua and said to them, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up there. <laughs> went up, sorry. So about three thousand men went up from the people. Sorry. Uh, verse four. So about three thousand men went up th there from the people. Sorry. But they fled before the men of Ai and the men of Ai struck down about 36 men for they fled for they chased them from before the gate of Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Hmm. So Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put the dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? 
for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Hmm. Sorry. IG. IG got disconnected, so make sure I get it back. Joshua 7 verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them for. They have even taken some of the accursed things and both and have both stolen and deceived and they have put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow because thus says the Lord of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families. And the family which the Lord shall take come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord. And because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. The tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah. He took the family of the Zerites and he brought the family of the Zerites man by man. And Zabdi was taken. And then he brought his household man by man. Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan or Achan. I just say Achan. My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw the spoils of the beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran into the tent. There it was hidden in the tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all of Israel stoned him with stones and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised him. They raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor till this 
day. Hmm. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given you the, uh, given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. Another pronounce, you can pronounce it as Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them saying, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city and it will come about when they come out against us at the first that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say, they are fleeing before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver you, deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Hmm. Hmm. Joshua therefore sent them out and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. And Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people of Ai or Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near, and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai, and he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the city. Now it happened when the king saw when the king of Ai saw it that the men of the city hurried and and rose early and went up against Israel to battle. He and all his people at the appointed place before the plan. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city and Joshua and all of Israel made as if they were beaten before them and they fled away into the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. <laughs> there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city opened and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand towards Ai, for I will give it to your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. So those in ambush, those quickly out of their place, they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai 
looked behind them, they saw and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back to on the pursuers. Now, when Joshua and all Israel saw the ambush had taken, sorry, saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out of the city against them and they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side, some on that side. And they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they pursued them. And when they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites turned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raise over it a heap of stones that still remains to this day. Now, Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of law of Moses, an altar whose stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool, they offered it as burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all the children of Israel, with all their elders, officers, and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half were in front of Mount Gerizim, half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. Afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, all that was written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to stop right here. Um, I just want to just share a few thoughts, uh, for the next, um, you know, few moments. I just want to share a few thoughts. Good to see you, Izzy. Good to see you, Ellison. Glad you guys are here. Hope you guys were reading. Send me a thumbs up if you guys were reading along with me. Um, good to see you, Brenda. Good to see everybody, um, who's here. Um, so we, we have been journeying now over the past few weeks through the Old Testament. We've read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And now we are reading through 
the book of Joshua, which is really another portion of the Old Testament, which we call the historical texts. One thing that I hope that you begin to see as you're reading through this, and I want to make sure you understand this, that I hope that you're seeing that this is really um, a book that has been written in form of a narrative. Um, It's written in the form of a story. If you're reading the Old Testament, really, you know, we're the ones who codify the Old Testament, right? We, you know, the first five books, the Torah, the Pentateuch, right? Or some will call it the law. Um, the first five books is the law. And I don't necessarily really like that that terminology because the first five books isn't really the law, even though, uh, you know, you know, Bible study teachers and theologians often like to call the first five books the law. If you've been reading the first five books with me, you would know that this is more than just a law. You would know that this story is more about a story of a people and that we've been given the opportunity to eavesdrop into the story. We've been given an opportunity to jump into the story and to enter into the story and to see what God is doing through a particular people. There is a law in it, but the law was written to those people. Um, and so because we, we see the law in it, we think the law is for us when reality is, is the, the law wasn't for us. The law was for the chosen people of God, the children of Israel. God set these people aside. These people were chosen, chosen to do what? Chosen to represent God on earth. They were chosen to be the ministers of righteousness and justice, to lead and to administrate and to bring the kingdom of God. Their task was that through their bloodline, through the bloodline of the Israelites, that God would restore all people unto him. The calling of these people were to be a nation of priests, not a nation of people who had power, um, or, you know, the kind of power that we talk about, not economic power, not political power, not any, any of the type of power that really is, um, which comes out of human construct and human thinking, but rather to be a nation of spiritual influence, to be set aside. He says, be holy for I am holy, meaning he's saying be distinct for God is profoundly distinct to be a nation of people who would be a nation of priests. Okay, that's what the scriptures tell us, that they were called to be a nation of priests. And so a covenant was written to them. The law was written for the children of Israel. It wasn't written for anyone else, um, but written uh, to the children of Israel. But we see that the law was ineffective. And so we see the story now of how God is is writing the story of all humanity to through these people. Understand that God's plan was for the world. God's plan was for everyone. And yet God was running his story through a people. Okay. This is what the scriptures is really about is God dramatizing the story of what he's doing to all people through a people. Okay. And so, and so this story, as you see, um, when we end Deuteronomy, God's calling the second generation, the second generation is entering into the promised land. And so here we find Joshua, who's the new leader of the children of Israel who now are entering into the promised land. And we see that Joshua is instilling in them the things that were taught to him by Moses. Um, Joshua is being called to now subdue the land that was given or that was promised to them. But what I find really interesting, and if you would allow me a few moments, um, what I find interesting about the text is how intertwined God's story of humanity is. 
Um, we, we, we talk about this people that was set aside, right? The, the holy people that were set aside. But if you've noticed from the beginning, when we've been reading through Exodus, even in the book of Exodus, as they were leaving North Africa to go into this promised land, um, to, to, to go to this promised land across the Red Sea, I want you to notice that there was an inclusivity in the exclusivity. What do I mean by that? There was an inclusivity in the exclusivity. The inclusivity was, is that there were Hebrew Israelites who chose not to leave. And yet there were Egyptians and North Africans that chose to leave with them. And because they chose to leave with them, by simply being with them, they were given the privilege to be beneficiaries of the same blessing and grace and calling that he was giving them. That is, that you're already beginning to see the story of God, that this wasn't just about a bloodline, but this was about an identity that had to do with the choice and the activity and the commitment of a people. There were there were Egyptians and North Africans who came alongside the Hebrew Israelites who, because they were, we see it all through the law, who were still given the privilege to be beneficiaries of the blessing of God. But to be beneficiaries of the blessing of God required them to also be under the same law. And so these people would, would walk and operate as a people among them that they were given the privilege even though they weren't part of the bloodline. And we're seeing this narrative continue on as we read through this text. I, what I want to point out here is, is as I'm meditating on this scripture, is to see how intertwined the stories are. Like how, how, how woven the story of humanity is. This is not just about a people who are separated from all of reality and everything else that's going around the world, but about how this, this is a story of a people deeply interwoven and intertwined with other people. Their stories are not separate. Remember Jacob, right? Abraham begets Isaac. Isaac begets Jacob. Jacob's name has been changed to Israel. Israel, fathers of family the family goes to egypt the family becomes a nation within a nation which causes them to now fall under captivity because a nation cannot exist inside of a nation and then they then moses is called and and he leads them out and he goes back to the land that they had left because israel's family went to egypt but they left a land don't forget that israel's name was initially Jacob and Israel when he was Jacob right had run from his father's house because he betrayed his father and his family and his brother Esau Esau now fathers a nation as well and Jacob is fathering a nation two twin brothers don't forget now two twin brothers okay fraternal twins one is fathering a nation and another one is fathering another nation and yet one has the covenant the other one gets to benefit uh, benefit from the promise now watch this this is really interesting is that when when they were under 
captivity, sorry, not captivity, but when the famine came and they, and they left the land that was given to them, they went to Egypt and stayed too long. And so now that nation, Esau and the neighboring nations now became the nation that occupied their land. I go back and I remember when Jacob had had betrayed his brother Esau and Jacob left to go to see his father-in-law Laban and on his way there he struggled with the guilt and the shame of what he had done to his father and his brother and in doing so he wrestled with God. Y'all remember, not, not, not when he was going there, sorry. When he was coming back, he wrestled with God. But before, he had an encounter with God. Right where he sat there, God had reaffirmed to him at a place, through a vision, seeing a staircase going up to heaven. Jacob, that's where we get the term Jacob's ladder from. And so Jacob gets, he's reaffirmed of the covenant that God had made with him. And in that place, we gave it a name. And the name that we call that place is Bethel. Go back and look at that text again in Genesis. We call that place Bethel. El means God. Beth means house. Bethel is the house of God. It literally means the house of God, where God resides and he calls that place Bethel, the house of God, because it was there that a man who was consumed by guilt, sin and shame was redeemed simply by the promise of God. And then he builds his family and then they leave and they go to Egypt. But the house is still there. I read this text and I'm being reminded as we look at the book, as we look at AI, and I see here that there's a battle happening and an ambush. Look what it says in Joshua uh, chapter eight, verse nine, Joshua therefore sent them and they went to lie in ambush, staying in between Bethel and Ai. That is to remind us that others were occupying a territory, even though they weren't called to it, they were occupying a territory that instigated the promise of God that now established a family. And now they're going back to the place that was always theirs in the first place. I, I say this to you to help you see how intertwined these stories are. How intertwined the story of Esau and Jacob are and what the ramifications of that story are. How intertwined the story of Israel and Esau is. Israel was not just a random name. Israel was a man who wrestled and overcame with God. And yet God had a calling over his life and through Israel came many nations. And that promise started from Abraham. This is a story of humanity. We're seeing a, an incredible struggle here and a battle happening here. But this battle that we see that is happening is a story that has been written for all humanity. These people are people 
who are very much related to each other. Ah, this is why family stay with me because this is going to get some people uncomfortable. This is why family salvation cannot be hereditary. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. This is why family salvation is not based off of a bloodline. This is why, because even, even those who were related by blood, we find them here in a struggle. Humanity is intertwined. This is the story of those who choose to fear God and to have faith in him and to trust in him. Did you catch me here? The people that they're struggling with are their own cousins. These people are related to them. Oh, man. These people were people who were in relation to them. And yet they occupied a land that was not theirs. I read this and I look at Joshua chapter eight and I'm being reminded that the struggle that's happening here is a struggle of all humanity and all mankind. Bethel was where Israel was reaffirmed of the promise of God. And yet Bethel is now where we see a great human battle and a great human struggle. God is a poet, y'all. <laughs> I always say that there's so much poetry um, in the scriptures. God is a poet. Um, the way, I mean, even life itself is poetry. If you really pay attention to life, you're going to see that even the life that you live is poetic. It's part of a grand story. It's part of a grand narrative. God is writing an incredible story. And for anyone who's here, understand that not one person is devoid of the story of God. Every one of us plays a role in this story that God is writing. We are all part of this story. This wasn't a story that, that was just set aside for the children of Israel. So much so, if you would allow me, that God would allow a Canaanite prostitute to now be a beneficiary of the promise. I hope y'all catching it. To allow a, 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 a North African, Western Asian prostitute to now be a beneficiary of her of the promise and not only her but also her entire family also her father also her brothers also it is incredible when we see the story of God because we see that God's blessing and promise was not exclusive to simply the children of Abraham oh this is going to get people uncomfortable God is looking for a people who will be willing to be set apart, to be set aside. How do I know that? Are y'all with me, family? I hope I'm not boring you. How do I know that? Because go back here. Remember when Joshua, right? Rahab received the promise 
And we see this, right? Rehab receives the promise she's going to be saved. And Rehab ends up being a part of the family. <laughs> and this is a woman who was not born into the family. And you'll later learn on, if you go, if you go and read the genealogy of Jesus, go back to the Gospels and read the genealogy of Jesus. And guess who's part of that gene- genealogy? Rahab. The North African West Asian prostitute is a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. She was now part of the story of God. This was never about blood. This was about something bigger. This was about the story of God. How do I know that? I know that because look at what the text says. When Joshua encounters what the scriptures say is the commander of the army of the Lord, Watch this in verse 14. So he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face in the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Joshua falls before him and watch this now. He's standing behold, be, um, he, he's standing at holy ground, tells him to take his sandals off because it's deja vu again. But watch this now in, uh, in verse 13. Why would Joshua respond this way? Because Joshua realizes that he is standing before Jesus. It is not, uh, it is not, uh, it shouldn't surprise you because we talked about this yesterday, that the word Joshua is actually Jesus. Joshua is a type of Christ. And we're going to begin to see how the story of Jesus is being played out through Joshua. But watch this. Joshua comes before this commander. And the scriptures say that, behold, a man stood opposite him in verse 13 with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to them and said, watch what he asks him. Are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua wants reassurance from this mystical figure who stands before him armed and he says no he he look at and Joshua went to him and said to him are you for us or for our adversaries stay with me fam stay with me fam because the response that the commander makes to him is no I do not stand before you for you and I do not stand before you for your adversaries, but I stand before you as a commander of the army of the Lord. He's telling Joshua straight up. It's not about whose side I'm on. It's about who's on my side. I want you to put it in the chat for anybody who's watching this right now. It's not about you. (laughs) Just put it in the chat. It's not about you. 
it, it's not about you. It, it's not, it's not about what you want. It's not even about your victory. It's not even about, no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't about you. This was never about you. It was never about your agenda. It was never about what you wanted. It was never about even the enemies who are against you. It was never about you. God is not choosing to be for you because God came to serve you. The question is, is who are you for? It's not, is God for you? I, I, I have to say this because there are a lot of people who want a God who's fighting for them for their agenda, but God's not going to fight for your agenda. God is seeking his glory through you. It was never about you. It was never about what you wanted. You want to know why sometimes I believe that many of us are very insecure in the stage of life that we're in. The reason why we're so insecure in our present life stage is because we're not actually following any other agenda other than ours. We don't have the certainty yet that our agenda is actually God's agenda. But if our agenda was submitted to the very will of God, then we need not be concerned because God doesn't lose any battles. See, the question is, is what team are you playing on? That's literally what he's saying to them. He's saying to he Joshua came to him and asked him, who whose side are you on? The angel looks at him, the commander of the army looks at him and says, nah, this isn't about whose side are you, am I on? This is about are you on my side or not? Because I'm going to win. The question is, is are you going to win with me? You see, if I am for Christ, then my enemy cannot win. If God be for us, this is what the scriptures say, if God be for us, who can be against us? This story was not about you. It wasn't about your will. It wasn't about your agenda. It wasn't about your strategy. Joshua is coming before this commander and the commander is saying, I don't come to be in your army or any other army. I came to represent the army of the Lord. So really the question is, Joshua, is what are you going to submit to? Your will? Your agenda? Your battle? Or are you going to stand beside me? Joshua was quick to respond. What does my Lord say to his servant? Joshua's got no strategy. He's got no plan. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. But Joshua knows now. I know who I'm talking to. And so the commander of the army says to Joshua, the first thing you're going to do is take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Here's what's crazy about it. The next chapter. Now Jericho was securely shut up. Look at it. I just want to see what happened. Look, look, look. I want you to see something. This is good. This is going to blow some minds. Okay. I, it blew my mind as I was reading it, but it always does. Every time I read Joshua, because I love the book of Joshua. I could preach Joshua for a year if I, if I would be allowed to, but you know, I don't think I'd be permitted to do that. But um, in, in verse 15, you see how chapter five, verse 15 ends. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals. This is the command. This is what he wants him to do. He says, take off your sandal off your foot 
for the place where you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. Done. Next chapter. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and mighty men of valor. I don't got time. I don't have time because I'm going to be shutting down in a minute or so. Um, Did you catch that? I don't know if everybody caught it. So let me help you out. Joshua ends with God, tell me what to do. Joshua 5 ends, sorry, with Lord, tell me what to do. Joshua 6 opens with, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king. You shall march around the city, all the men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. I want you I want to play the story out to you. I want to play the story out to you, okay? So you guys see what's happening here. From from our understanding of the text, Joshua is separate from the people. He has this encounter with Jesus at Jericho, near Jericho, sorry, from some distance. He has this encounter with Jesus. He says to him, "The place where you stand is holy ground. Take off your sandals." The next chapter, he's at the wall. The next chapter tells us that some time had transpired and they were in a siege, meaning that there was a period of time between Joshua's question and God's answer. There was a period of time in between Joshua's question and God's answer. Joshua says to him, tell me what you would like me to do. God says to him, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. A period passes and they are in a siege. I want you to understand this. Let's play this out. There's a siege right now. So we don't know how much time transpired, but some time transpired in between the last verse in Joshua chapter five and the first verse in Joshua chapter six. Joshua asked for guidance and direction and all God gave him as an answer was take off your shoes. You're standing in my presence. And they stand there in siege. Can you imagine you're Joshua and you're the leader of an army and you're standing in siege and they're standing in siege and and people are going, all right, Joshua, like, tell us what's next. Give us the strategy. Tell us what we're doing next, bro, because um, it's been weeks now. And we're just kind of just standing at this at this And Joshua just stood there. Imagine one day passes by, two days passes by, three days passes by. What kept Joshua grounded in that season and in that moment? In the time when they were in siege in Jericho, what Joshua had was his time alone with God. 
in the time when they were in siege. Notice Joshua does not have the direction to walk and circle the mount up, uh, circle the he does not even have the direction yet to circle to circle the uh the city walls. He doesn't have the the scriptures just tell us that no one came in and no one came out. They were in the siege. And finally, finally, he says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shout now he has direction. I know I've been emphasizing this and I don't want to belabor this point, but I'm going to continue to belabor the point is before Joshua got direction. Joshua learned to worship him in his presence. Taking off the shoes was something that Moses had to do. And it's something now that Joshua had to do. When Moses stood before the bush, he took off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. Why? Because the shoe has all the gunk and the, the dirt and the grime of all the work that had transpired. The dirtiest part of the body was the foot. It was the shoe. When you came into a house, you never came into a house with your shoe on. That In that culture, if you came into someone's house with your shoes on, it was the ultimate sign of disrespect. It meant you did not respect the person who occupied the, who occupied the location. And so when God says to him, do you not recognize who I am? If I'm present here, the ground which you stand on is holy. Therefore, take off your shoes. It was an acknowledging of the presence of God. Guys, let me help you out here. Worship is simply acknowledging God's presence. When he took off his shoes, nobody else may have seen God. But in that moment, Joshua saw God. And when Joshua saw God, Joshua took off his shoes. The taking off the shoes is the activity Exactly. As Elijah, the taking off the shoes is the activity of acknowledging the presence of God. There's some people here that will say, well, you know, I know God is everywhere and God is present everywhere. If God is present, are you acknowledging it? There's a difference between the presence of God and the manifest presence of God. There's a difference between God being present and you acknowledging the presence and taking off the shoe. What Joshua did in that moment is Joshua knew I don't have the answers, but my God, I am in the house of God. I am in Bethel in this moment. I am here standing in the presence of God. And if I'm in the presence of God, I'm going to take off my shoes. Now, we don't need to take off our shoes, but what is our sign? of acknowledging the very presence of God. We knew what it was for them, but what is it for us? Because Joshua may not have known what to do next, but Joshua was okay in that moment to worship the Lord. And I think for many of us, we want to worship and praise God when we get direction or when we get a breakthrough. But the question is, will you trust God enough that even if you don't have a breakthrough, that you simply acknowledge his presence? There's some people who are asking God for direction. What do I do next? What decisions do I make? What if God's direction for you in this moment is take off your shoes? What if God's direction for you is, is, you know what? Just trust his presence. What if God's direction for you right now is simply enjoy his presence in your life? You know, when you, and when you actually get to enjoy the presence of God, <laughs> this is just for somebody. And I hope this helps somebody today. But when you actually take off your shoes, you understand that you're okay without, with not getting the answer.
When you actually take off your shoes, Moses took off his shoes before he had an answer. We ought to take off our shoes before we get answers. But when you actually take off your shoes, like take off those, 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 those proverbial shoes in your life, you know that the answers don't matter anymore. <laughs> you're, you're okay with whatever God chooses to do because his presence is enough. He is our just reward. God is good enough for us. When, when, when you really, when you really get to enjoy the presence of God, that's when you begin to have clarity as to where God wants you next. Some of us are still imposing our will. Can you imagine? Joshua was probably like, okay, God, which way do I go into Jericho? Do I go through the front? Do I go through the back? How do I do this? I know we had Moses, but the way Moses taught us is not the way we can do this. I don't have any clarity about what to do next. And God knew that there's some things I'm going to call you to do, Joshua, that are going to be so weird and going to be so crazy that the only way you'll be willing to do it is if you've learned to take off your shoes. I truly believe this. And this is not, this is just me throwing something to the side that I don't have any theological evidence to support this. So please do not ask me for theological support, but I would like to believe that the only way Joshua finally got to a place of obedience to God's call was when he actually simply learned to take off his shoes. In the moment he learned to take off his shoes, then he was open to God's direction and God's instruction. I say that because I want you to play out this story. Play, play it out. All these soldiers and all these warriors and this army, and they've got their knives. Remember, these guys are armed for battle. These guys are men of war. These guys are ready to fight. And they're standing there and they're waiting for the commander of the army, Joshua, their leader, to tell them, when do they attack? What do they do next? And, and Joshua comes back and he stands there and he goes, guys, let's, we're going to circle the walls. Where, where are the Levites? Get the Levites, get the Levites. We need the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, we'll have a few armed men for war stand before the Ark and then the rest of the army will stand behind the Ark and we're just going to just walk around and do one circle around. And tomorrow we're going to do the same thing. And we'll do that for six days. And then on the, on the seventh day, we're going to do that seven times. And then afterwards, um, I'll let you know what's next. Do, do, do you guys understand how ridiculous that is? Like, and just think about it. Can you imagine, you know, what, what his lieutenants were saying? So what do you say, Joshua? I, I, the Lord told me we're circling the, we're going to circle, we're going to circle the mountains. I'm sorry, circle the, uh, circle the walls. We always talk about all oh, the walls of Jericho came down and nah, 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 and all this stuff. And we, we do praise and all, but we forget what, what it took to get there. Joshua had to learn to take off his shoes. We know how the story ends because we read it. And many of us know the story, so I don't need to iterate it to you. Except my conviction is, is that for many of us, we're still fighting our own battles. We have not learned to worship the Lord. To just worship him without preconception, without precondition just to worship. 
to worship even though we don't know what's going to happen next to worship even when we don't have an answer to to just take off our shoes and to give it all to him to take off the burden of the day and just to give it to him and just to say lord i trust you i see that in job when job loses everything and even when they asked him to lose his faith job said though he slay me yet will i trust him he's literally saying if the Lord takes my life away, I still trust him. Like, when when do we get there? Where we say, I don't know what God wants next for me, but right now, I'm going to enjoy his presence. I might be sick, but right now I'm going to enjoy his presence. I might not know how my bills are going to get paid next week, but right now, I'm going to trust him. I, I don't know where this is going to take me next. But right now, I'm going to trust him. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting around worrying about stuff that I have no control over, absolutely no control over. Control over. But right now, I'm just going to trust him. And all he's asking for me right now is to just take off my shoes. So fam, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. We know how the story ends and God knows how your story ends and in the end he gets the glory. So for now, take off your shoes, enjoy him, just enjoy his presence for you are in the presence of a holy and righteous God. So take off your shoes. Don't come to God asking him, you know, to to get it all together. Some of you are just still worried about that. Like, God, no, take off your shoes. Father, I ask that you would, Lord, breathe into this moment, Lord God, for those who are here, Lord, I just pray that you would, Lord, give them the conviction even as they stand before the Jerichos in their lives. Father, to know, Lord, that the story was never about us. It was never about what we want to do. It was never about our own victory and our own battles and our... This was always about you. It was always about your story and what you desired to accomplish. Father, we see the breakthrough in Jericho and at the same time we saw the fall of AI. And yet, Lord, you're showing how important it is for us to not submit to our own ability and our own might, but to submit to your grace and your power and what you desire, the story that you are writing. Father, I close this, Lord, even as we read through Joshua chapter 7 and Joshua 8, Lord, reading through, Lord, how even though the enemy was weaker, they still lost the battle because, Father, it's not by the strength of the enemy, but it's by the spirit of grace that you've imparted on us, Father. You've called us to a unique calling, and I pray that you would lead your people, guide your people. Lord, show them, Lord, how important it is, each and every one of us, how important it is that we take a posture of worship, that as we stand before holy ground, that we would just rely on you and to trust in you, even though we don't have all the answers, and even, even if we don't know, and even if we are going through a time of indecision Lord to know Lord that you are in control you got this bless each and every person and we say that in Jesus name
Amen. Guys, God bless you all. I will see you guys uh, tomorrow. Um, given if I'm afforded some time, I want to actually spend some time in prayer as well. I don't know yet. Depends on uh, my schedule, but um, I do want to commit Fridays to a time of prayer um, as well. And so um, we'll see where the Lord leads, but we will be in Joshua chapter nine tomorrow. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. Love you, fam. Peace out.